0: Hi, I'm Andile, and this is the Unajua Learning Series, where we present crowdsourced minimum actionable responses to important questions in 15 minutes or less. This podcast is the first of a two-part series highlighting the ecosystem insight gaps, which African research startups might help to address. Now, presenting will be the Ugandan founder and researcher, Peter Kisada. Peter has just recently joined early stage investment outfit Future Africa as associate researcher and he was previously Uganda country manager for the mobility tech company Ewa and before that he worked for the Jumia Group's classifieds arm in Uganda. He also happens to be the co-founder of the VC and startup data and insight startup Digest Africa but before we dive into the episode i'd like to spotlight african tech Up's partnership with social stack now we'll be partnering with social stack to launch a social token on the silo blockchain to drive community engagement. Now, if you missed the press release, no worries, we got you. It's linked in the show notes wherever you listen. And this Wednesday, June 16th, I'll be sitting down with Social Stack co-founder and CEO Andrew Berkowitz uh, for a podcast conversation unpacking this landmark social token project. So be sure to look out for that. And now back to the main event. A little birdie tells us that when asked about his height... Peter Kisada typically says that he's six feet tall, even though when you meet him, it's quite apparent that he is in fact 5'11". Now, it turns out he's not open to debate about the difference between 5'11 and 6 feet, so don't at the man, okay? Be that as it may, Peter is here to offer minimum actionable responses to the question, why would anyone launch a research insights business in Uganda? He'll be breaking down the significant real-world problems that local research businesses might undertake to solve right here on Home Soil.
1: The year is 2015. That was April, April or May. And I was just getting done with uh, my bachelor's I was doing Bachelor of Statistics at Makerere University, and it was at this moment that the government of Uganda decided to ban polythene bags. So I, I always had this, you know, natural instinct towards entrepreneurship. So I asked myself, hey, you know what, I'm finishing university, what am I going to do next? I always thought I could, you know, go into business. I talked to a couple of friends, I think there were five, and said, hey guys, you know what, I think we can start a business around this by providing substitutes to polythene bags. And we all agreed, so we pulled together a couple of resources and went into business. But what happened was, just a few months down the road, there wasn't much enforcement of the new policy, and all of a sudden, polythene bags, they were back on the street and we were out of business. But I like the idea of doing business. I thought I could always, you know, employ myself, offer you know, solutions, problems, and so on and so forth. But I also learned a very good lesson doing the paper bag business, which was that it wasn't really scalable. The barrier to entry really wasn't much. If someone else had money, they could just get into the business. And to go into another market, you had to also make investments, go through doing the same work that you've done all over again. So I thought that for me to do business again, I wanted to do something that could easily scale across the continent with minimal cost and effort, but also presented a very high barrier to entry. And technology presented the opportunity for me to do that. But I needed to learn a little bit about technology because my background wasn't, you know, in that field. And when I looked around, the company that was exciting to me was Jumia. At that time, they were called Africa Internet Group and really was just a collection of a couple of ventures. So when I looked at them, there was actually an opening for an intern to go and join Eva Jobs, which later became Jumie Jobs. So Eva Jobs was part of the classifieds arm, which also had uh, Vendito and Lamudi. So I joined them as an intern. But then the more I worked with them, the more I started you know, to look at all these other stories of other innovators, other setups across the world from as far as Latin America to India and the greater part of Asia, as well as North America and and Europe. So at that moment also, I, I figured that there should be people that are building uh, some of these solutions, not only across Africa, but in Uganda. So I started plugging into some of the tech meetups, uh, startup events in Uganda, and those that I could plug in uh, virtually. I could also, uh, you know, attend and then start to also subscribed some of the newsletters across the continent so there was some information but for someone who was reading in-depth coverage of events happening tens of thousands of you know miles away i wasn't satisfied with what i was reading so as this kept on going on, I asked myself whether there wasn't much that could be could be done. And the reason why I was doing that is because whenever I plugged into these events, into these communities, I could hear, listen uh, to a lot of people that were building amazing solutions to complex problems, across the continent, but when it came to their coverage in terms of media and other significant publications, you wouldn't read about their stories. So I figured someone had to do something about this. And I, at that point, I I thought it could as well be me. Uh, so on the side, uh, besides my day-to-day job, I started a blog. It was called Startup Digest Africa. And I would just really document some of the interesting stories, sit down with the entrepreneurs, write about these stories, and publish them. So for me, the goal at that point was... If the rest of the world is doing a helicopter coverage of the continent in that, they just sit wherever they are, maybe in New York or London, and they just pick up a couple of stories. I might as well be sort of the conduit or the bridge to some of these stories that are having a high impact. So that's what I did. Some of these stories were being picked up. And then as I got to learn about this, I realized how big a problem it was. And how many stories were out there that needed to be covered? So after a year and a couple of months at Jimia, I decided to leave and focus on doing this on this full time. Just a few months after my leaving, there were more blogs that were coming up that were covering uh, these stories. So it became a little bit less necessary for us to focus on that one hundred percent. There was sort of a flood. Of stories that were coming out. But what emerged as, again, another problem, which <laughs> ironically was born out of that, was that someone was getting lost in all this information, you know. So, for example, you're reading, you know, a story from TechCrunch, from Disrupt Africa, from TechCabal, and all these other, you know, platforms. You were getting lost. You, you couldn't make sense of all this information that was coming at uh, this fast pace. So we figured that we could, you know, just move into sort of an intelligence platform. And our uh, focus at that point was very simple. Just provide data and insights in startups and venture capital across Africa. So um, that was, I think, around late 2017, early 2018. That was the decision that we took. So the reason that's why I'm giving you this story is to show you that it wasn't us waking up one day and say, you know what, we are going to build a research startup and we are going to be best, you know, in Uganda, in Kampala. No, that wasn't the case. What happened was we were curious about, you know, entrepreneurship, we were curious about those that are building solutions to some of Africa's biggest problems. And along the way, in us wanting to support their, you know, their missions, uh, their journeys, we found ourselves required to turn into a research startup. And then Uganda was merely, you know, well, I'm Ugandan. My other co-founder also is called Kenneth Legacy. is also Ugandan. So we just found ourselves best in Uganda. That was it. But I strongly believe that even if I was Kenyan, even if I was South African, or even if I was, you know, best uh, Ugandan, but best in London, I would have ended up building a research setup to support, you know, African uh, startups and investors because I think I play um, best when I'm offering sort of a support role to those that are building uh, for these biggest problems. And for innovation to take place, first of all, there has to be a realization that there is a problem that needs, you know, an innovation. And how I think about research, a research business Especially from the innovation, you know, point of view, is your job is to highlight problems that need to be taken advantage of. So you're framing these problems, which ideally are opportunities that innovators need to you know look at. You're giving them the insights they need for them to approach the problem. So you're quantifying it for them. You're telling them the resources that perhaps are needed or that are available that they need to you know to use to take advantage of these innovation unlike other aspects of the economy is really really fast paced and if you're looking at it from the lens of research business being the originator of uh, insights into uh, the problems that need you know innovators then it means that research has to match the pace of innovation if not even be faster now uh, traditionally what we've had as research for uh, the innovation ecosystem It has been development finance institutions like the World Bank or African Development Bank coming in and releasing reports on a regular basis, maybe either annually, quarterly, or maybe five years. But what they do is they really adjust the format of their reports, take into account what... You know, is changing because if you're tracking certain metrics, you need to do that over a given period of time for you to, you know, arrive at a, a conclusion that is meaningful. So it's it's good that their reports are consistent. However, if you're putting that in relation to innovation, innovation requires us to be as agile as possible, as flexible as possible. So if you're a research business and you're homegrown, my assumption is not only are you lean in your approach to highlighting these problems. But then you're also flexible. You know, your turnaround time is a little bit quicker. You have a better context these problems. So you can easily say, you know what, I think there is something that is, you know, coming up. Let's shine a light on this. Let's give it better context. Unlike, you know, for example, someone who say, you know what, I'm in Manhattan, you know, or I'm in San Francisco. And I'm building a research business for Africa. Yes, you might have the best of intentions. But I still generally believe that a person who is best in here has better context, has better interface with whatever they're trying to build for. So if you're building a research business, the primary objective that you're looking at is highlighting those opportunities or those problems, uh, make sure that you're documenting who is building for these, are there resources, you know, and the resources, of course, you know, you're looking at it from, you know, macro level, micro level, which institutions perhaps are contributing towards these you know, problems. And then you're trying to not build uh, the same way the World Bank does it. You're being flexible. If you're homegrown, you're adding a context that most of these may not be able to add.
0: On the next installment of this Unajua series themed Why Would Anyone Launch a Research Insights Business in Uganda?, Peter Fax is in on whether or not African research startups can in fact be commercially viable. That's next week. But before we go, come on, Africa, have your say by clicking on the Unajua link wherever you listen and leaving us a 60 second voice note with your reaction to this episode. Or you can tweet us using the hashtag Unajua series or leave us a DM at African Roundup. We particularly dig it when you leave us a voice note, though, because then we might scale your views on a future podcast. So go on, do the thing. Finally, we're currently pushing to enlist our first thousand premium members. Your support allows us to spend less of our team's precious bandwidth on sourcing podcast advertisers and content partnerships and more on publishing great content just like this. So become a premium member today by clicking the Patreon tab on our website. It's at africantechroundup.com. All right, then that's it. Till next time, do take care.